Today we go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation for many people is a scary book. It is a scary story, but it actually is great hope and it gives us great confidence that our Savior holds the future in his hands. Nothing is out of his control. He holds today and he holds tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. And through him, all things are held together. Revelation chapter 5, and then later on we'll look at Acts chapter 9. I'm going to tie these two together, Revelation 5 to Acts chapter 9, seeing that our Savior is the Sovereign. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings over all things. He has plans and he has purposes. He selects, he chooses unlikely people. Unlikely people to fulfill his plans. He chose me, an unlikely person, uh, to preach. He chose you, an unlikely person, to be his child and to declare the praises of God in your life. So we go to Revelation chapter 5 today. If you have your Bibles, I I ask you to to turn there. And uh, just to kind of follow along with me, we could probably put Revelation 5 back on the screen also. Uh, Verses 1 through 4 of Revelation chapter 5, it actually dramatically depicts the world's desperate need for Christ. This world needs Jesus Christ. And these verses from Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, in a very dramatic fashion, illustrate that need as we see John weeping. John weeps because no one is there that is worthy to open the scroll or to unseal the seals. So what what does John see? John sees God. He sees the Almighty seated on heaven's throne. In the right hand of the one seated on the throne is a scroll with seven seals. What is this scroll? Well, this scroll is God's plan. God's resolution for humanity. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is able to open the scroll and investigate it. No one can look inside of it. No one is worthy to know the future but God. Did you know that? People seek after knowledge of the future, don't they? They go to psychics and mediums and spiritualists. They read their horoscopes. No one is worthy to know the future but God. And no one holds the solution, the solution to human history but God. It's in God's hand. It's firmly in his grip. You see, the the world desperately needs Jesus. Because without Jesus, there is no solution to human history. Without Jesus, human history spins hopelessly out of control. Like a person lost in the wilderness without a map or a compass. Like a ship at sea being tossed to and fro without rudder or sail. Without Jesus, human history is just simply spinning out of control. 
We're simply being hurtled through space as a tiny planet with no meaning or future solution to our deepest questions. What are humanity's deepest questions? What are they? Philosophers have posed these three questions. People are longing to know who they are. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you? What is your identity? Humanity has been longing for this question to be answered. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why are you here? For what purpose? And where am I going? Where am I going? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? In Revelation, John saw the one who was worthy to open the scroll. John understands the horrific implication of all of it. John gets it. Humanity needs a savior who holds not only today, but all of human history in his hand. Revelation 5, 3 through 4. And no one on, in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And John says, and I began to weep. And he says, I began to weep loudly, or the Greek says, he wept and he wept, or he wept greatly. He is just completely and totally broken because here is the scroll and no one is worthy to open it or to unseal it. What tragedy have you faced in your life? What are you going through today? What causes you heartache and anxiety? Why is your heart broken? Now I ask you this question, can you imagine, can you imagine walking through the heartache and the tragedy and the grief and the pain of life without Jesus? Without knowing him? Without having the confidence that you have in him now? Even as a kid sleeping under the stars with my buddies, we used to do that. That was a thing that, that people used to do back in the, in the olden days. Kids used to actually sleep out in the backyard under the stars. How many of you did that? And I remember doing that and I remember talking with my buddies and, and we would talk, what would it be like to live life without the knowledge of God, without knowing God? Even as a child, I understood the implications of life without God. That he holds everything together. He is the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega. And we see that Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Jesus is worthy to open it. Revelation 5.5 and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. That word is for you today. Weep no more. 
Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is the one who holds your life and your future. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear these words. Weep no more. Weep no more. Behold your Savior. He has conquered. He has overcome. He is resurrected. He is exalted at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This is your Savior. And then in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 5, all they can do is break forth in a new song. A new song of praise and worship to Jesus Christ. In verse 9, they sing, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said what? Amen. Can we join with these in heaven declaring amen, hallelujah, thank you that Jesus, our Savior, who is with us always, holds today, he holds the future, and he knows all things. Amen. Human history is not meaningless. It is not meaningless. I love the philosophers that are honest. And some of them have drawn the conclusion there is no God. And they have drawn the conclusion life is meaningless. Because life truly is meaningless without God. Can you imagine living that way? Can you imagine that? We have a Savior who holds the future in his hands. History isn't meaningless. Your life is not meaningless. Jesus gives infinite meaning to your life today. But so many do not believe this reality. They don't look at the stars at night thankful for God, that God placed them there, and that God has a purpose. I just can't imagine. I love going out into nature. If if I had my way, I would probably move somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where there were, I, just, I had to be dropped in by a helicopter and I could just spend a week there. That would be like my dream. To go out and to see the beauty of creation and to think it's all meaningless. To look at people and to think it's all meaningless. 
There are so many. They look at the stars and they wonder why. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? God has a plan. And his plan is not only for the future, his plan is for today. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. God had a plan for you. He chose you for a purpose. There's a man in your Bible named Saul. God had a plan for Saul. But before Saul met Jesus, or maybe I should say before Jesus met Saul, Saul had a different plan. You know the story of Saul. Everything in Saul's life was confused and messed up. He didn't think he was confused and messed up. He thought that he was doing God's will. As he was on the road to Damascus, he thought that he was going to do a good thing for God. What was Saul's plan? Saul's plan was to destroy Christians, to destroy the church, to destroy the name of Jesus. So we go to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 22. You'll find it up on your screen. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he might find any belonging to the way, belonging to the way, the way was the title or the name given to the church at this point in church history, if they found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And he was on his way to Damascus to wreak havoc for the church. But then suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So here we have the exalted Lord Jesus Christ in heaven shined this bright beam of his glory upon Saul. And then Jesus said, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight into the house of Judas. Not the same Judas that betrayed the Lord, a different person named Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, you see, Ananias is smart. <laughs> Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on his name. 
Ananias is smart. He questions. He says, is it really smart for me to go to this man named Saul? I heard he's, he's a bad dude. I don't want to get near him. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument. God chose Saul before the foundation of this universe was laid to bring his name, the name of Jesus, the name of the risen Christ to the ends of the earth. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. See, Ananias understands he's a brother now. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. And he regained his sight. Not just a physical sight, but a much deeper and profound sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Notice how conversion and baptism go together. He believes and he is baptized and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed, look, look at those words, immediately he proclaimed. He proclaimed what? He proclaimed Jesus. He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon his, this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Who's in control? Who's in control? Jesus is in control. He is in control of all things. He is the one who holds the scroll in his right hand, who holds all power and authority, who had the authority to open the scroll. He is the one who holds the future. God understands the world's desperate need for a savior, a savior that answers the question, who am I? Why am I here and where am I going? He sent Jesus who by his death and resurrection conquered all. Then Jesus chooses the least likely of all men living in Jerusalem, a wicked Pharisee, to be his apostle to the nations. Jesus called Saul of Tarsus, a wicked murderer who tried to destroy the church to proclaim, to be the one to proclaim the very Name and message which he tried so hard to crush. The angels, the multitude, the myriads of myriads in heaven said this about Jesus. By his blood saved people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And he has made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Saul was an unlikely man to be chosen by God for God's mission to the nations. But God chose Saul and made him 
a part of his kingdom and work. Saul saved to be made a part of this kingdom of priests to our God. You might not know this, but God changed Saul's name. Today we call him the Apostle Paul. He is the one who wrote most of the New Testament. And he still makes an impact today on our lives. Jesus enthroned in heavenly glory holds the plan and the solution for all of history. He chooses unlikely people to participate in his plan for the ages. Jesus, by his blood, saved people for God. From every tribe, Jew and Gentile, and language and people and nation. And listen to this. And he made them a kingdom and priests a kingdom and priest to our God. Did you know that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of a kingdom? Your citizenship isn't here. Your citizenship is in the kingdom of God, ruled and reigned by Jesus Christ. And did you know that you are a priest? That you are a priest? You are a priest to our God because this kingdom is a kingdom of priests. We call it the priesthood of all believers. What does it mean that you are a priest? Saul, a sinner, a murderer, was saved by Jesus Christ, and he became a priest to our God. You have been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have been made a priest to our God? What does it mean to be a priest? Well, you, in, in being a priest, number one, it means that you have access to the throne room of God. You have, a, you have access to the throne room of God. Remember that depiction in Revelation we just read about this glorious throne room? Well, you have access because of your great high priest, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You have access to the throne room of God. You take advantage of that. You go before his throne in prayer, seeking him, seeking his will, crying out to him. As a priest, you have access to the throne room of God. Not only do you have access to the throne room of God, as a priest, you are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus. You are called to be a witness proclaiming the good news of Jesus to all who will hear the good news, that they might believe and be saved. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have access to the throne room of God. And you have 
the Holy Spirit, you have the call upon your life to proclaim the excellencies of God, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Humanity desperately needs salvation. They don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They don't know where they're going. But you have Jesus. And you have been called to go to them to say, this is who you are. This is why you're here. And this is where you're going. You know who you are. Who are you? You are made a part of the kingdom of God, called as a priest to declare the good news and the excellencies of God to this world. You know why you're here. You're here to serve. You're here to give. You're here to be a blessing. You are here called by the Holy Spirit for a holy purpose. And you know where you're going. You are going to be with the one who conquered all of humanity's enemies through his death and resurrection. That's where you're going. So weep no more. Do not be afraid. Know who your Savior is. Know that he has given to you life's ultimate purpose. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of who you are. We thank you for saving us. Lord Jesus, in the same way you chose Saul of Tarsus, Lord, you have chosen us. You have come to us. Lord, maybe our conversion was not as dramatic as St. Paul's was, but it's no less important than his. So remind us, Heavenly Father, remind us of who you are, as the exalted one in glory and in majesty. And remind us of who we are in you. Made a kingdom of priests to our God. Given a great purpose and a great plan. Not worried about the future. Not fretting over what the future holds, but standing with confidence in you. Through whatever may come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.